Today, I want to take an opportunity to talk about some of the storms that we are going through through COVID, whether it's financial or the places in our work or the situations in our lives that we are put in that are difficult. And I want to pull from a story in Daniel chapter five. And basically, the story is about a king who throws a party, and then an animated hand comes out and writes something on a wall. And then the king has like a mini meltdown and then gets assassinated that night. So yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like the verse that or the the chapter that you would skip when you're doing your regular devotions. And actually, I was doing devotions in Daniel a couple months ago, and then Brent approached me and said, "Hey, we're thinking about doing a series in Daniel one to six. Would you be down to preach?" And in my head, I was like, "Oh yes, that'd be perfect. I've been doing devotional readings in Daniel already. This is going to be awesome." So I was like, "Yep, I'm in, hundred percent. Good to go." He's like, "Okay, great. You're doing chapter five. I was like. Awesome, chapter five. And then later that day, I was going through my Bible and make all these notes as I read and underline stuff and whatever. And I get to chapter five in Daniel, and I have no notes on chapter five. And I was thinking to myself, did I skip this? Like when I was reading Daniel, did I like skip all of this whole chapter? I just not know what to do with it. It was just such like a difficult story to like find some application to my life. And I think we tend to have a habit. Where when we read the Bible, we、uh, we sometimes just read like the surface level stuff, or we like we read into what just like the easy things, or we skip things that are a bit more difficult to process and think about. And oftentimes, what that leads to is we project our idea about God, or about you know scriptures, or about whatever it is. We project our idea of what God should be like, or what God should do, or what God should say, or what we think about Him. And this creates a real problem for us because what happens then in the future is at some point in our life things don't go according to plan, and now all of a sudden we have this issue because we have to reconcile this Bible that we've been reading where we've been projecting a version of God that isn't necessarily real to a life that isn't going according to how we think it should, and now we have this God that we're going, what do we do with this? Like, how do we reconcile scriptures? With this life that now is not going according to plan, and then what tends to happen is we have a crisis of faith, or we walk away from the faith entirely, or our kids, or our parents, or something. They see us go through this, and they are discouraged by it. And so, what I want to do really quickly is I want our goal here today, as we read through the Scripture, to be to actually understand what the Bible says—not what we think it says, or what we think it should say, or what we want it to say—but actually understand what the Bible says, and then find a way to apply it to our life. And I want to teach you two really easy steps on how to do this. And there's like a—you can go really deep with this. You can do a ton of stuff here, and you can get into like how to study the Bible. There's great resources and commentaries and all these great things. But I just want to start with two really easy steps on how to do this. The first step is that we want to try to understand what the original author meant when he wrote what he wrote. All right, so we want to actually take ourselves out of the equation, not think about us, not think about what we wanted to say or what what we think, and not bring in our preconceived notions or our agendas or our hurts or pains. Yet we just want to take a look at Scripture and think, what did the original author mean when he wrote what he wrote? Here's an example of something that we can maybe do. So, if we're in a position where we were wanting to hear from God, you know, maybe we're in a in a situation where we're at a crossroads and we want to hear God speak to me. I need to know what to do. I just, I need a sign, right? Like, how many times have we prayed that? I need a sign, God, from you. What do we do? What do I do about this? 
And then we read this and we're going, okay, this king's having a party. And then all of a sudden God like sends a hand to write on a wall to like give him a message. And it's like this powerful thing. And then we look at that and there's a temptation for us on a surface level to walk away thinking, well, I need to pray that God's just going to give me this miraculous sign and all stuff. And that's not what the author intended to teach us here. That's not the reason why the author wrote chapter five of Daniel. And the second step that we need to do, right? So the first step, we just need to understand what was the author intending to say? What was the author intending to mean when he wrote what he wrote? We call that the authorial intent sometimes, okay? So that's the first step. Second step, we now need to bridge the cultural gap. And what I mean by that is we now need to take what we know the author meant, the big idea, the big point, and we don't change it. We take that, that big truth and then we apply it to our life. But we have to be careful when we apply it to our life to take into consideration the differences between the culture then and the culture now. Here's an example. Genesis chapter 24. I love this. It's a great example. Isaac, he basically, he wants to have a wife. And so he sends out uh, some people to go and get him a wife because that's how they did things back then. All right. So, so he sends out, they get Rebecca after, you know, searching, they find the right person. It's Rebecca. Okay. They're on their camels. They're coming back. And then they meet up with Isaac and the servant gets down. Rebecca gets down off the camel and the servant goes, here, Isaac, uh, we found, you know, here's the whole story. We found this is Rebecca and she's going to be your wife. And Isaac's like, what's up? And Rebecca's like, hey, and then they go in the tent and they become husband and wife. And that is a great example of how we don't do marriage here in Canada right now. Okay, so that's not how we do things. And that's a, that's a great example of a cultural practice that is different now than it was before. And if we fail to take that into account when we apply scripture into our life, when we apply something into our life, then you might end up with a tent that you don't need. Okay, so to recap, the two points. The first point, we want to understand what did the author mean to say when he wrote what he wrote? Okay, what was the authorial intent? The second step, in light of that, without changing that big idea, how do we apply that into our life, crossing that cultural gap, taking into consideration the differences between then and now as we apply that to our life, okay? So we're going to jump into Daniel chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to actually grab that and grab a pen. Uh, we're going to do a bit of a Bible study today, okay? So I want to encourage you, grab your Bible, ideally physical, but if you've got the app, that's fine too. Grab it and grab a pen. We're going to jump right into it, okay? Daniel chapter 5, verse 1. King Balthazar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. Okay, so we're ready just really quickly. Chapter four, we had a different king, King Nebuchadnezzar. Now we got King Balthazar. So we know that there's been a time gap in between in which there's a different king. Maybe there's been more than one. We're not sure, but there's at least now a change over here where we have from King Nebuchadnezzar to King Balthazar. And he is throwing a party for a thousand of his nobles and he drink, he's drinking wine with them, okay? He's getting a little tipsy. So if we look at the historical context of this verse and we actually look at the whole, the whole chapter, chapter five, we actually see that King Balthazar was in the middle of a war with the Persians and the Medes. And actually the war wasn't really going that great for him. He's kind of at the end of the war and he's not winning. And so at this point, he has decided to throw one last party kind of on the eve of the night that he is going to basically lose the war. He doesn't know that yet, but he's kind of at the end. He knows the war is at an end. So he's in the face of destruction destruction, right? In the face of losing control over his kingdom, possibly his life, probably his life, in the face of all of this, losing control, he decides to throw a party. 
Now, I'm a bit of a control freak myself, right? I like to say, uh, I like things the way I like things. And uh, so I struggle when I lose control over something in my life. That's pretty difficult for me. And what I find that I actually tend to do when that happens to me is I tend to manifest myself into uh, negative behavior. So if I lose control over and I'm overwhelmed with work and I have a bunch of time uh, that I need to spend on all of these things, what I will go do is I will go waste time intentionally. And not like consciously, but just subconsciously, I will go and I will just burn time playing, it used to be video games or like TV or Instagram or whatever it is, but I will go waste time almost like in an effort to disassociate myself. I remember one time we were bidding on our house that my wife and I carry, uh, were buying and it was our first home. So we were, you know, super nervous, super excited. And uh, Wednesday comes around, they, we have an approved bid and we have until Friday to remove subjects. And so Friday, that's when it all happens. We have to sign a piece of paper saying that we're good for the money, we're buying the house. And Wednesday morning, we get a notice from our bank telling us, that they're not gonna finance our house because Carrie's actually uh, an American and she doesn't have her PR card yet, which we told them, but they decide, they changed their mind, they're not cool with it anymore, and so our financing just fell through, just like that. Wednesday morning, I remember getting that email and just being rocked, just losing control. I was already a roller coaster, this was a very stressful time for me, and I got on my computer and I played video games for 14 hours that day. And I remember at the end of the day, I stopped playing, I'd skipped meals, and I thought to myself, what did I do with my whole day? And I just wanted to escape and just to disassociate from what I was going through, from that stress, from that loss of control, from all of those things, and I just like cowered away from it, and I just wasted the whole day. And that was the day I actually decided that I'm done with video games, that I've kicked, like, they're out of my life now. Since that day, years and years ago, I've never played video games since that day, and I probably will never go back to it, but I realized for myself that that was a crux. That doesn't mean video games are bad for everybody, but for me, it was like, wow, I had just disassociated in the face of losing control in the face of that. And I wonder, looking at the story of King Balthazar, I wonder if in the face of destruction, when he throws a rager, I wonder if that was him disassociating from what he was facing. I wonder if that was him hiding away from the imminent reality that he knew that was coming. Story goes on. He's partying, he's drinking, and then he does something sacrilegious. He calls for the sacred cups that were taken from the temple of Jerusalem, from God's temple. Verse 2. While Balthazar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets, the cups that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that he... Uh, so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, his concubines, they drank from them. And as they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, the gods of these elements. And we know that this is a turning point in the story and that this is bad because of what the author says next. He says, immediately, right? Verse five, immediately is the first word. You can underline that. If you have your pen, underline immediately. Good job. You already have more notes in your Devo than I do. Uh, immediately signifies that this author wanted us to see that in light of what just happened, now, because of that, something else here following, this is important, okay? So immediately, because of what just happened, this is important, and now. And then he goes into the story of how then a hand uh, appears before Balthazar, 
and writes on the wall. Uh, and he, the king kind of freaks out. He doesn't understand. He freaks out. He has a bit of a panic attack. And he calls in all the wise people. Just totally buzz kills the party. Calls in all the wise people, all the sages, everybody. And he says, anybody, I don't understand this. If anybody can tell me what this says, I'll give them all the riches and golden power. And none of them can. And then there's a, the queen, who is probably his uh, his dad's wife, but the queen who was outside of the party, she overhears what's going on. And she comes and she says, listen, there was a guy, Daniel. He's been here for a while and he used to do this kind of thing. So then the king was like, well, let's go get Daniel. And so then they get Daniel and they bring him. And the king says to Daniel, he says, listen, if you can interpret this, if you can tell me what this writing on this wall means, I'll give you all the gold, all the riches, all the power, everything you want. I just need to know what this is. Daniel rejects this offer. He says, no, you keep that stuff for yourself. I don't want it, but I'll tell you what God says anyways. And that's where we're going to pick up. We're going to read from uh, chapter 5, verse 18 to 28, to 24, excuse me. Daniel goes on to say this to the king, your majesty, the most high God gave your father. Okay, we're going to pause there. If you got your pen, underline this part because it's going to be important in a second. The most high God gave your father, okay? Gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, underline he gave him, because of the high position he gave him, all the nations and peoples of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was disposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from the people and given to the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox, and his body was drenched from the dew of heaven. He, was, he lived outside. He was an outcast. And then here, until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. Underline that whole thing from until, until he acknowledges all the way to every, over, any, uh, over them anyone he wishes. He goes on to say, but you, Balthazar, his son, have not humbled yourself. Though you knew all this, instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. And underline this part here. This is the final one. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all of your ways. Therefore, he has set the hand that wrote the inscription. He has sent the hand, excuse me. And then he goes on to interpret the meaning, which is basically that he's been weighed and found wanting and that his kingdom is going to be over and it's going to be divided. And later that night, sure, sure enough, King Balthazar is killed. The Persians and the Medes overcome his kingdom and he loses it. He loses it all. This is, this monologue from Daniel is the center point of the message. Everything that the author of chapter 5 has been writing is leading up to and context so that we can understand this piece of text. This is the highlight. So if we're trying to think, what is the author trying to teach us? It's in this chunk of text right here. This is where we find the big idea. And Daniel actually brings it up multiple times. He repeats that God has given your father. He gave him. And he goes on to say, uh, that 
God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. And again, but you did not the honor of the God who holds in his hand your life and all of your ways. The main, the big idea of this piece of scripture is that God is sovereign, not just over you and me and the people who follow him, but sovereign over all kingdoms, all kings, whether they acknowledge him or not. The big idea of this text is that God is sovereign and in control over all things. God is also just. We see in the, in the verse there that, uh, that he says that uh, when you look a little bit further in the interpretation on the writing on the wall, he says he's weighed you and he's found you wanting. He's judged you and how you've acted. And that's actually a really good thing for us. And so here's the application as we look into this. So we understand the big idea. God is sovereign and just over all things, over all nations, over all people, over all circumstances, all kings, prime ministers, and presidents. God is sovereign and in control over everything. And here's the application that we can take from that. I think two things that we can look at is because God is sovereign, we should live and act with integrity and humility. Because God is sovereign, I think some of you here today, the application for you is that because God is sovereign over all things, all kingdoms, all positions, all rulers, all managers and supervisors and whatever, because God is sovereign over all of those things, you should live with integrity and with humility. Another application that I think we can find from this is because God is sovereign, we can find comfort and strength in him. Because God is sovereign over all the storms, all the wars, all the kingdoms, all the situations in our lives, all the pandemics, because God is sovereign and in control of all of those things, we can find strength and comfort in him. So let's, let's just take a moment to bridge the cultural gap, okay? God is sovereign. That's the big idea. That's the authorial intent. Now we bridge the cultural gap. What does this mean for us? What are the applications? Now, we might not be, uh, you know, incompetent monarchs throwing a party before the imminent destruction of our kingdom, but some of us are in positions of power and authority. Some of us are supervisors and managers and bosses and owners of businesses and companies and put over people and responsible to be over people in our lives. And I think that God wants to remind us that he is sovereign and he has put you in those positions over those people for a reason. He is in control of the positions that you are in. He is in control over the situations and maybe you are unhappy with where you are in your life. Maybe in the situations that you are in in your life, you are not happy with what's going on. And I want to encourage you to live your life with integrity and with humility because God has put you in that position. God has put you where you are right now. He is in control of who is over you, who is under you, and he wants you to be where you are. So I wanna encourage you to act with integrity and humility and remember the words of Daniel as he spoke about these two different kings. Now, some of us, you know, some of you might not be surrounded by bloodthirsty uh, Persian warriors who want to kill you and destroy your kingdom. That's, a, you know, that's probably not any of our situations, but some of us here are in situations where we are in storms, where we are, feel like we are losing control, 
where the, we feel as though the, the walls are closing in on us and whether it's a financial situation or whether it's your relationships with your kids or your parents or your spouse or whoever it is or whether it's your work situation or whatever might be going on with your mental health or how much school just sucks online, whatever those situations are that you are going through in your life, I want to encourage and remind you that one, God is in control. God is sovereign over all things. And two, that when we acknowledge that and live in that, that we can find strength and comfort in Him. And I want to take a moment to encourage you in that, not to turn and disassociate from reality. Not to turn and hide and, and ignore or try to escape what your situation is and turn to things like you know, TikTok and Instagram and just waste your time or social media or get obsessed with your kids' lives or bury yourself in work or, or whatever it might be that you are turning to to self-medicate or that is somewhat self-destructive in your life. I wanna encourage you not to turn to that, not to disassociate from the reality you are in, but instead to turn to God in that storm and to remember that through all of history, through all of time, he has been in control of everything. He has been sovereign over everything. And that means that we can find strength and comfort in him. Now, I don't want to lie. I don't want to tell you that just following Jesus means you don't have any problems or your problems go away. It's not that. That's not true. And I don't ever want you to have to reconcile some falsity that you wrongly believe in the Bible with your life when things go wrong, right? So following Jesus doesn't mean your problems go away, but it does mean that you can turn to him and find the strength and find the comfort to be able to endure what you are going through and eventually to actually count it as joy, the punishments and the trials and the hardships that you go through because it's an opportunity for us to grow. Maybe uh, for some of you here today, the application is not one of those two. Maybe today uh, the application is actually something you need to discern. And I want to encourage you to take a moment to think through that because although there is you know, one truth, one big idea that's coming out of this verse, there's an endless amount of applications that can be applied to our life in different situations and different things that we can take from that. And so I want to encourage you to actually spend some time yourself praying and thinking through what is the application for me in my life? What does God want me to know? What does God want me to do in light of the truth of this? Whether it be in my positions of authority to act with integrity and, uh, and humility, or whether it be in the storm that I'm going through to have faith and to have hope and to have strength found in Jesus to not disassociate, but to actually press into God, whether it be those two things or something different, I wanna encourage you to pray right now with me and to actually ask God to illuminate that and to spend some time thinking through what is the application for you? So let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Um, everything rises and falls. We live, we die. Churches go up, they go down. It doesn't matter. All that matters is our relationship with you, which is found and grown and developed in your word. And I just pray, Lord, that we would come to have an appreciation for that. I pray that we come to have an appreciation for the message that you have placed in your scriptures and that that would have a piercing effect on our hearts. And so today, God, as we move forward, I pray that you would give us wisdom and insight into what you want us to take from your word today. And that as we move forward in the Bible readings, our devotions, and on all these times that we interact with your word in the future, I pray that we would be able to read it and interact with it in truth. And that we would not look for it to confirm things that we want it to confirm or to confirm biases or, or whatever it is, but God, that we would let it transform us, it penetrate our hearts and transform who we are and how we live. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
Well, thank you so much for joining us today, guys. As we go into our week now, I pray that you guys will have the strength and the courage and the integrity and the humility that you feel that you need, that you feel like God is instructing you to have in those situations that you go through. Quick reminder, you can find out more information about us on our website, upcoming events, all that good stuff. We'd love to connect with you. Have a great week, Southridge. <laughs>